Hey, it's Mark. This week on the podcast, we're trying something a little different. Along with the original one-on-one interview that we usually feature, we're adding a segment from MMM senior reporter Lesha Bushak, who covers the health policy beat. Lesha will offer a health policy update, including a recap of the trending policy news and a preview of what she's working on for a weekly column. Lesha, welcome back to the podcast and what you got for us this week. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. This week, I'll be discussing President Biden's declaration that the pandemic is over, as well as a recap of an inclusion event that drew some big names from the policy world, including the U.S. Surgeon General and the WHO Director General. Great. And for my segment, I'll have a rundown on some new research that helps understand the motivations behind patients who use ad-linked telehealth. You know, the talk to a doctor functionality that's built into a lot of brand.com websites these days. I'll speak with the marketing manager of one third-party telehealth platform, Populous Media, which helps spawn this now burgeoning ecosystem that integrates telehealth with pharma marketing. I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing and media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. First up, we're speaking with Tracy Yaw, Marketing Manager at Populous Media. Populous Media not only offers educational content and advertising opportunities within telehealth consults while a patient waits for their physician to join, but secondly, it also offers a program that sends patients directly to a physician consult through existing traditional and digital media. Populous has done some research among its user base that helps understand the patient perspective behind telehealth. But before she talks about that, I thought it would be interesting to hear Tracy explain how Populous is evolving those two main offerings. Currently, we're expanding our existing approach through a rebranding. And I'll just tell you a little bit about the services we offer. We were one of the first and most know us for the two of the services that we offer, which the, the first is virtual care media, which provides the ability to put education and engagement opportunities within the existing telehealth consultations. And the second being Custom Connect, we provide the ability to take the existing media and create a dialogue between a patient and a physician directly from that media, whether it's digital or traditional. And so what we're doing is we're refocusing the rebranding Custom Connect to Custom Care and introducing additional offerings within the patient acquisition portion of our business. Okay. And what made you decide to embark on that rebranding now? Well, really, the repositioning of our patient acquisition solutions into a package consistent with branding is the first step into streamlining a set of offerings that will expand into 2023. Custom care is going to be part of an entire care package of service offerings. It's already a SaaS patient acquisition platform, and we are launching several module upgrades to clients of custom care. We have um, a number of solutions that utilize the care moniker. And by changing the name of Custom Connect to Custom Care, we will be aligning with the other offerings. It's also, it also more accurately describes the offering itself. And the solution creates a customized care path for patients of specific pharmaceutical brands. And it makes the offering much more clear. Right. Uh, kind of catching it within the, the patient journey. Uh, type type of a, of a right. language. Well, what kind of upgrades are we talking about? Well, the upgrades that we two that we are um, discussing at the moment we're sharing are the what the first is called voice to care. The second is aftercare, and voice to care is being it's being introduced as a module that enhances the custom care platform by allowing patients to connect to a physician 
by speaking to their voice-enabled assistants such as Alexa, Google, or Siri. We there, The first instance of voice to care is already implemented on the Amazon.com Alexa skill site. And uh, aftercare is the second module of, for custom care, which it drives continuity of care by educating the patient to stay on therapy longer and it increases the lifetime value of that patient. It encourages prescription refills by providing ongoing educational information written by physicians for patients about their, uh, about their condition after their consultation. So the primary beneficiaries of these updates, if you will, are not only the pharma brands um, that, that you know, use the custom connect service, uh, custom care service, pardon me. So I still got the old name in my, <laughs> I in my know, mind. I know. Um, and and patients themselves uh, to talk about that, how, how you're kind of ben- trying to benefit yeah, those two. Absolutely. Yes. So what we are doing is we are providing some ad, as you just mentioned, we're providing some added value to the patients first and foremost and providing opportunity to the pharmaceutical companies to enhance their support of their patients and make their healthcare experiences more fulfilling. You know, patients are looking for convenience. They're looking for answers and support in the moment that they need it. Custom care provides solutions to all of those things by creating that instant connection to a physician to learn more, by supporting patients, by providing additional information about their disease state, and reminders of important things that they should be doing to improve their care. You know, for example, refilling a prescription is a perfect example of that. Um, we do have, I'm going to give you a little tease about another offering within our care package that we will be um, doing a more formal announcement about later this year, but it's something that is called Live Care MD. And among other things, Live Care MD will be providing custom care telehealth patients with a specific portal to maintain a record of their care, along with resources for more information about their condition and treatment options. You know, we're, it's something we're really excited about um, putting out there. It's, it's continually evolving. So, you know, that's why it's just a tease right now, because we're going to save that for, you know, maybe next year's Populous Palooza. I, I don't know, but we're very excited about that. Speaking of that, you mentioned Populous Palooza. That, that's an event coming up next week, which is basically um, an event that, that Populous Media is sponsoring, where you're going to be unveiling um, this, this rebrand. Um, and also the, the results of, of a patient study uh, right. that, that helps uh, you to understand the patient perspective. And you have a preview of that as well for us, right? And so hoping to, uh, we, we could talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we have we have a few we have few statistics um, that we we did a market research study. We did we had about fifty thousand um, patients that we were surveying, and we yeah we have some of those results. I can share I can share just a few of them with you. Excuse me, Tracy. And these respondents were were members of Populous's platform, right? Correct. They have used the platform in the past. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then tell us what, what, uh, what do they use it for? Uh, or I'll let you go through what you think the key findings are. Okay. So, um, yeah, so just a, a couple, a couple of things real quick. While most of the patients have utilized the platform, they have regular physicians that they see they, they overwhelmingly prefer telehealth experiences over tra- traditional care. However, they, they also indicated that they would use both depending on the circumstances. So it's, it's not just all or nothing. It's just there, there is, there is, they do go in there with some reasoning as to why they're choosing one over the other. Um, 
Additionally, you might be surprised to find out that the majority of patients report that the cost of telehealth experience is either the same or actually less than their traditional care appointments. Yeah, those are some uh, interesting uh, findings there. One of the other things that I found particularly uh, of a note is that, you know, when you ask them, what do they use it for? Uh, you know, they were saying ease of use and convenience, and that overwhelmingly they prefer the telehealth experience over traditional care. But obtaining a specific prescription uh, was the number one reason, followed by uh, follow up to an existing condition and then learning more about their condition. This is probably not all that surprising given the people that you were surveying were members of you know your platform so they'd used it and one of the number one ways they use it is to obtain a prescription but you know at least it's working you know if people are saying hey it makes the process of getting a prescription uh, a lot simpler absolutely you know frankly it reinforces what we're doing it shows that what we are doing benefits the patients and we know exactly what they want so we can help to provide them with those things and that's exactly what we're doing, in particular with the custom care package. You know, they want more information um, about, you know, their specific condition. They want more physician discussion guides. You know, all of those things are, are things we can provide to them. And, and it can take a long time, you know, to, to get an appointment, so, so they said, um, which is another <laughs> right. reason, you know, why uh, they're utilizing this, this channel, you know, to, to, to see Correct. their doctor. And in terms of the other findings, you know, we talked about how ease of use was their number one reason for using telehealth and, you know, lifestyle convenience, I think was number two. Talk about that in the, in the context of how medicine is moving toward kind of that Amazon experience, the telebanking experience where we don't even go to a bank anymore, right? To, to do our banking, we do it all through our phone. Does this kind of add to that kind of trend toward Absolutely. medicine I, trying know, to emulate that? Absolutely. I think people are always looking for convenience when they are doing basically anything. That's just, as you're describing, that's how the world is changing. You know, everything's, you know, everybody wants the most convenient way of doing something. And quite honestly, like you just said, going to an in-person doctor appointment, sometimes you need to wait a month, you know, four weeks, six weeks that you to get in there. The telehealth consult allows you to go in there immediately. Couldn't be more convenient than that by getting in there immediately. In particular, if you, you know, are looking to have that prescription refilled and it's just a trend that is continuing to go upwards and offering the best uh, service we can to them to enhance that experience is really the primary goal that we have. You know, people want, they just want convenience for their healthcare. Sure, sure. And the telehealth is, is one of the main, you know, sort of it's kind of low hanging fruit right. for getting us. There. Right. And, and, you know, you, we, you know, we talk about Amazon, Alexa, Google, Siri. I mean, that is right in your home. There, you could also, I mean, there's opportunities to connect to a telehealth provider from a QR code now. You know, you could be sitting on the beach or you could be in a restaurant or, you know, climbing a mountain somewhere out camping and you can connect to a doctor. It, it just, the convenience and ease of use for a telehealth service, it couldn't be more ready right now. Sure, sure. And uh, one of the last things you asked about your respondents was, what can pharma companies do to provide added benefit to their experience? What, what did they say when, when you asked them that? Well, really, they really want to find out more information, which is, I, I sort of touched on that before. They want to find out more information. 
They want um, additional educational content and they want the physician discussion guides. They're really looking for more information. And frankly, some of that just, you know, with our aftercare, we will be helping to provide that to give them what they want. You know, again, it's doing the things we're doing and they're just reinforcing that the service we're providing is what they look, they're looking for. And we just can improve on that every day. Sure. Okay. And uh, with other third-party telehealth firms having jumped into this burgeoning market to build the telehealth ecosystem, it's, it's interesting to see how Populous Media, which was one of the first uh, that, that we reported on, kind of offering this capability, is evolving its uh, services. So great to hear about all this. Thanks so much for joining us, Tracy. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Mark. I appreciate your time. And, you know, I'm really excited to, you know, just mention Populous Palooza again. It's going to be down in Philadelphia at One North Broad at the old Masonic building. It's going to be an exciting evening of aerialists and jugglers and magicians and, you know, learning, getting some uh, educational content out of it as well. Some drinks and dancing and a band. We're really excited to have everyone there. Steve Madden of MMM is going to be there to help moderate. So we're really looking forward to the evening. And again, I appreciate this opportunity for helping us talk more about custom care. And uh, thanks. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you and, and best of luck with the event. Thank you so much. Health Policy Update with Lesha Bouchak. So Lesha, the president made a big announcement about the pandemic this week, but it didn't go over quite so well with health policy experts. Tell us, what concerns did they have with the president's declaration? Sure. So this week, President Biden essentially declared the pandemic over during an interview with 60 Minutes. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. And, you know, we've been hearing for years at this point that the pandemic isn't going to go in away anytime soon. So having Biden state that quite definitively came as a bit of a shock to a lot of public health experts and even some of his own senior health officials who were quite surprised by his comment um, as it wasn't planned at all. So I spoke to a few public health experts as well as several people in the healthcare marketing world to get their reactions to this. And overall, a lot of people basically said that while it's understandable for the public to long for a return to the semblance of normal and to really put the pandemic behind us, that Biden's comments could lead the public into sort of a false sense of complacency around COVID. The reality is that, you know, even though there's a lot of restrictions that have been lifted in in most states, hybrid work is returning to the office. The reality is there are still daily cases, deaths and hospitalizations happening. There's an average of 60,800 new cases daily and almost 400 deaths daily, according to the CDC. Several public health experts expressed concern that the comment was a bit dismissive. Sure. And uh, what did they say are the important points to continue to stress in, in public health messaging? They said that it's really important to kind of stay several steps ahead of the messaging standpoint, particularly around vaccination and really kind of driving, continuing to drive home the science-based messaging around vaccination. Um, you know, while 68% of people in the U.S. are fully vaccinated and about 79% have at least received one dose, there's still a significant portion of the population who are unvaccinated, um, and there's still a lot of vaccine hesitancy issues. Um, so that effort really is not over, even though the emergency phase of the pandemic might be over. So I really heard a lot from healthcare marketers that it's important to continue driving that message home. 
The other thing that's sort of more related to policy is that several public health experts really feel that even though the emergency phase of the pandemic might be over, Biden's comment might sort of take focus away from continued funding for COVID aid um, and really just general pandemic aid moving forward. I spoke with Dr. Leanna Wen, who's a public health professor at George Washington University, and she noted that funding for pandemic aid shouldn't stop just because, you know, things are going back to normal, that there's a really crucial imperative to bolster the public health infrastructure moving forward and really to kind of continue doing that rather than putting out the fire when each crisis hits. You know, that being said, there is still quite a big difference between now and March 2020, and that's also not to be taken lightly. You know, I also spoke with Dr. Amesh Adalja, who's a senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, who in some ways agreed with Biden's sentiment. He pointed out that we have a lot more tools now in the arsenal to deal with COVID, that it will likely kind of continue in the background of the public health system. We have vaccines, antivirals, home tests, wastewater surveillance, all the sort of things that we didn't have in 2019 before the pandemic. And so we really are in a different phase, and that's something to sort of consider now as well. Which sort of brings me to my next policy topic, which is that on the heels of Biden's comments, we are seeing other public health issues that you know potentially got swept under the rug during COVID emerge again with increasing importance. And several of those are diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as mental health, both of which were highlighted this week at a special Olympics health inclusion event in New York, which I attended in person. And the event had several big public health names there present, including the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, as well as the Director General of the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. I wanted to hone in and kind of recap Murthy's comments in particular, um, because he's someone who in the last year has really focused a lot on mental health He declared mental health a public health emergency among young people recently and really has started to shine a light on it as as to be something that should be a a top public health priority. So he brought that up again at the event and this time really specifically tied it to equity inclusion, specifically around people with intellectual disabilities who may have less access to mental health care. And he also, you know, tied it to the pandemic, pointing out that it's really unveiled loneliness and isolation as actually public health issues. Um, They can impact health and mortality negatively in the same way smoking cigarettes or obesity can. And that's particularly true for people with intellectual disabilities. Every life has value. We've lost too many lives during this pandemic. And that in and of itself is an opportunity and I think a wake-up call for us to say, how can we create a more inclusive world where not only do we believe that everyone matters, but where they also understand that they matter. And the truth is that right now, there are millions of people who are walking around who feel that they don't matter, who feel they're invisible, who feel like they don't have value to bring to the world. And unfortunately, when it comes to people living with disabilities, especially intellectual disabilities, we make them feel that, I think, way too often. And we do so because of years and years, I think, of culture and custom that has made not only folks with disabilities, but people who are different in some way. We've made them to feel that they are less than, simply because they are different, because their experience of the world is different. The main takeaways from his comments is that it's really important for institutions 
workplaces and individuals to be able to improve inclusion by making sure they're reflecting the value of people, um, particularly marginalized groups like people with intellectual disabilities back to them and really coming to strengthen personal connections to combat isolation. And I think a point that's really relevant for healthcare marketers um, or communicators is that it's really important to to track all of the inclusion work. Um, There can sometimes be a gap between good intentions and good outcomes because of a failure to ask the people you're trying to serve whether they feel included, do they have a voice at the table. So in his particular speech, he really focused on the importance of bringing people with intellectual disabilities to the conversation. And that's really integral for any communications around the issue. I'm Lesha Bushak, senior reporter at MMM. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMM podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Deborah Stahl, Bradley Weems, and Gordon Failer. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>